Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Trying to get by Benning. Darnell Nurse left it in the corner. Gets up center. Perry scoops. Corey Perry. Lilia able to take away from Solani. It's given away to Solani. Hey everybody, it's a forever mighty postseason show. It's Pat and Eddie on the mics today. Uh, what's going on, Ed? How's Canada? Not bad. It's uh, finally starting to feel like summer out here. And so uh, Corey, Corey Perry's buying $7 million houses in my uh, my hometown, so it doesn't affect me whatsoever, but things are going well. <laughs> yeah, things are going well, right? I mean, we, got, uh, we waited an extra day to do the podcast because obviously we had the inside track to know that the Ducks... Uh, we're going to hire Dallas Eakins as a coach today, right? Or and, and then announce it later this week. But we were well, yeah, able to no, break it down today. As is with always when we record podcasts, uh, we recorded what, what was it a week ago? Now we recorded yeah. our last show, and uh, day after Corey Perry news comes out from Pierre LeBrun, of course. Uh, no, I can't complain because now we get to do another show and at perfect timing again. We were going to record yesterday with just a big breakdown of the Corey Perry situation and throwing maybe mm-hmm. some NHL stuff. And then uh, we decided to wait till today and get, you know what, Dallas Deacons news comes out. So uh, we had bad timing on the last show, good timing on this one. No official comment by the Ducks, by the way. No, nothing official as this organization's very private and doesn't like to leak <laughs> any information whatsoever or say anything's confirmed until they feel like it. But uh, all the major sources, I mean, all the big players are talking about it right now. Uh, Frank Saravelli was able to put out a tweet about it. Uh, Eric Stevens basically confirmed it in The Athletic. Um, so it's out there. It's happening. It's Dallas Eakins is the new head coach for the Anaheim Ducks. Um, Corey Perry stuff is huge, and it sucked that we weren't able to get together 
either you, Jason, or you know, one of the two of the three of us get together and do a show because I mean, we it really, really, really uh, is important information. So we'll get to that in a bit. But we got to talk about Dallas Eakins because kind of been a foregone conclusion to me. I mean, I don't know how you feel about it, but uh, I mean, this was par for the course for Bob Murray. He did his all. He just decided to check all his little boxes and make it look like he was, you know, checking under. You know everything in the you know in the NHL, looking under all the rugs, see if anyone swept anything under the you know under the dryer by accident or the or the refrigerator, and then decided to come out and go, yeah, I'm going to do what my bosses say and hire Dallas Eakins because that's what they want. <laughs> I I can't believe the Ducks. I think at the end of the season, when you looked at how many coaching vacancies there were and probably were going to be, I don't think I would have thought the Ducks would have been the last team to make a decision. They seemed like they would have had the clearest path out of almost anybody because of the success that Dallas Aikens had. And maybe, yeah, they'd just have to wait until the Gulls' playoff run was done. And that seemed like the only thing that would hold it up. Or and the then Stanley Cup playoff, apparently. But, yeah, like <laughs> like that seems to have any bearing in it. But you would think, like, after the Gulls got knocked out of the playoffs, I fully expected them. I think we even mentioned on the show, we kind of expected them to make that announcement within the week of Dell uh, of the the goals getting eliminated from the Western Conference final. Yeah. Didn't hear it. Still felt like he was the guy cuz nobody else had really been brought up. We had speculated Gromberg, but there was really no concrete information behind that. We just kind of hoped that he was going to uh be there and then we had a coaching candidate show on Patreon uh, I think almost 2 months ago now where we kind of just speculated some names. And Ron Wilson was been... a big player in my list if you remember correctly. <laughs> nothing nothing had come out, right? We just kind of we just kind of brought up those names because there was nobody else. It was Dallas Aikens. We wanted to kind of get some speculation and some debate going. And then finally we start hearing some names. Todd Nelson and uh, Bonus comes out. And then Scott Sandlin comes out. And then uh, there was a fourth as well. Who's the fourth guy? How am I not remembering it now? It's Todd oh. Nelson, Bonus, Scott Sandlin, and uh, then Dallas Aikens. And there was um, – I'm already forgetting who it was. Either way, there was four I guys. I remember. <laughs> See, they don't matter. But uh, and then they all come out, and a week and a half later, they slowly one by one get knocked. Oh, off Lane Lambert. Two. That's the other guy. Right, Lane Lambert. Lane Lambert. Yeah. yeah. Todd Nelson goes first. Then Lane Lambert goes. Then Bonus gets. Uh, apparently, he never even interviewed for the position. And then Sandlin signed that extension uh, with the University of Minnesota Duluth, but he was still kind of in the mix. And then obviously today, that you know, I think as of yesterday, it was Eakins and Sandlin. We even put out a tweet. It was between them two. And then today we got the announcement from Frank Cervelli that you know, all the people that were interviewed for the job were contacted, said that they were out, and it seems like it's Dallas Eakins' job. How is this anyone's, uh, to anyone's surprise that it's Dallas Eakins? Can't be. You I can't, mean, uh, we knew it was going to happen. Just because the farce that went along with it, right? The fact that uh, we expected it easily to be him and then a bunch of other people kind of got in the mix. But this is what we expected, I, I guess, pretty much the entire season that it was going to be him. How do you feel about it? But you, I, I know that you were not 100% in his camp as like him being your guy. It was, like, of course, going to be Bobby's thing that he was going to do because Sam Willies wanted it also. But are you a big supporter of Dallas Eakins? And you, you kind of can throw his uh, NHL pass behind him because, I mean, my God, it was forever ago, one. And two, he's had a lot of success with these players. Or are you kind of like, no, I didn't want him to begin with. They, we should have went somewhere else. Well, listen, I'm not surprised. I don't think anybody's surprised that uh... – that he's going to be the new head coach of the Anaheim Ducks. You know, like we said, that that was kind of what was expected. But I, I'm kind of, you know, on on both sides, I'm I'm on the fence about it, right? Like I I think he's the best option, and I like promoting from within. And when you look at who they had interviewed, 
you know, Scott Sandlin, one of the most successful coaches, uh, if you look at winning percentage in the NCAA, seems like he's doing good things there, but he decides to stick around. And, and there has been some success out of coaches recently coming out of the NCAA when you look at what uh, I think Jim Montgomery has done with the Dallas Stars, among others. There's some guys who have come in, and then, you, of course, you you have your Dave Haxtells who didn't work out, so it's, it's kind of 50-50 there. But, you know, Todd Nelson and Rick Bonus in, in uh, Dallas, what they were able to do there this year, they turned Dallas into a really competitive team. Obviously, they, they got a lot of help from Ben Bishop and Nett. So some decent candidates, but... I still think Dallas Aikens was probably the best choice out of all of them because of the experience he has with these players and the fact that you look at some of the young guys that are going to be probably full-time regulars on this team next year and Sam Steele, Troy Terry, maybe Maxime Comtois, a lot of, they spent most of the season working with Dallas Aikens. So I think that's going to help the Ducks in their transition. I feel like he's the right guy when you look at the transition the Ducks are going in. I just don't know how much success he's going to have. Whether that's just because you know he has limited head coaching experience in this league, and I'm not fully convinced that his style is is what's going to be able to make the Ducks win, or just because I don't really have a lot of confidence in this Ducks team next year. I don't think they're going to be a competitive team. I know some people disagree with me, like Jason, but <laughs> I just uh, I don't think they're going to be that competitive. You know, the odds are going to be stacked against them right off the bat, and it's going to be hard for him to have. A good season. I think if they make the playoffs, that's an excellent season for Dallas Aikens. You know, I don't know if they're going to make the playoffs next year. So if they at least make the playoffs, that's a good run for him. It's it's going to be a tough one. They're definitely not setting him up to be ultra successful, right, with the team he's being given um, yeah. at an NHL level. I mean, Sean Tierney put out his war graph uh, today and showed the Ducks getting, what, 70 points? So um, not that those models are 100% accurate all the time, but, I mean, just like the word around the league is this team's not going to be very good, and we all kind of knew that as Ducks fans. Not to be expecting, um, you know, taking the cup home, but, I mean, I honestly expect a more competitive team than we saw this year. I mean, I could be wrong about that, but uh, the Ducks did show signs under Bob Murray that they've been able to play a better brand of hockey than the way they played under Randy Carlisle. Uh, the, ejection, the injection of youth is going to do a lot for this team um i think the ducks are going to play with a better pace so i'm kind of looking forward to see to seeing what's going on here i mean um jordan samuels thomas right that's uh he used to play for the gulls he's a writer for the athletic uh, he's a, he's really excited it seems like that, that dallas Eakins is gonna be the head coach here um says that he's he, he coaches guys basically player by player right he's he's able to coach individually and not you not be the guy who screams at you or you know the guy who just doesn't talk to you and then benches you but uh, he knows how to you know to motivate individually and I think that's um, considering the youth on this squad going to be you know a big deal uh, because that's that's who's on this team it's a bunch of kids it's a lot of promise right like there's a potential for it to work out really well because he knows these guys and you kind of have to be that player coach nowadays it seems like and I think you know he fits the bill for being that I guess a modern day coach in that aspect, but there, you know, I don't think anybody's going to be really surprised if this doesn't work out. You know, there, there's a there's a chance the Ducks aren't going to be good next year. Not maybe you know most of that might not be Dallas Aikens' fault. The team just doesn't look like it's going to be that competitive. But you know, he's going into a rough situation. I don't think it's the same when you look at what he went into with Edmonton and how bad that team was. It's not. I don't think it's at the same. They were absolutely that. terrible. Come on. But he's he's taken over the Ducks in a similar position or when you look at where the ducks were and where they are now they're a team that perennially made the playoffs they're a team that went far in the playoffs they were considered stanley cup contenders for you know four or five seasons 
and now they're transitioning to a team that's some people think aren't going to make the playoffs. Maybe they can squeak in. Nobody has them listed as contenders. Uh, the Vegas has them at 66 to one odds to win the Stanley Cup, which is bottom five. They're down there with uh, LA's down there. I, if the only team is worse than them is Ottawa, so. There's some people who think they can make it. Some people who think they can't. He's got the odds stacked against him. It's going to be a tough season for him to go in and do well. And that's why I think if he just improves on this season, that's a good year for him. And the Ducks were not good this year. I think we all know that. So if he can at least just somewhat improve, and if they look better, I think that's the thing. You can be bad and at least look better. The Carolina Hurricanes have done that for how many years, where they seem to not make the playoffs until this year, but they were a fun team to watch, and they look like a better hockey team, and people were wondering – why don't they make the playoffs? They look, you know, they play good hockey. You look at their the, the advanced stats, and they're usually near the top of the league. If he can do something like that, I'll be I'll be fine with it because it looks like then you can see the transition. You can see the Ducks are moving in a different direction. Sorry, I'm getting over being sick there. So you guys see me like this constantly because I'm coughing. Um, but yeah, <laughs> it, it is. It is he, he is being set up to um, to not be you know have the the best season like you were saying. It's it's going to be tough for him. But I, I got to agree along the lines of what I read today in the uh, the Cooper Stevens article. Uh, Cooper even pointed out that um, he even quoted Jordan uh, Jordan's piece. He says, you know, and I'll read it right here. Anaheim's fans should expect to see a different Ducks team with Dallas behind the bench. Like the rival Kings, it's time for the Ducks to catch up with the rest of the NHL's pace of play. Expect to see a Ducks team that plays with a lot more speed and energy than years prior. And with with that, in my opinion, comes... These kids are not only just going to be fast and play fast, and we've just, oh my God, we've dissected the hell out of that term and how that works in the NHL and many podcasts, but um, I expected to actually be faster with guys like Eves, Kessler, um, Perry not being in the lineup coming up for next season, and it also remains to be seen what other moves are going to be taking place this summer, but uh, the injection of the youth is not like these are fourth-line guys. Troy Terry, Sam Steele. Max Comtois, uh, Max Jones. These are good players. And I feel like the the injection of youth is going to be a really good thing for the Ducks. So I think that uh, they may not have the most successful season, but I I don't think they're going to do worse than they did this year. I think we're going to see much higher than 70 points out of them, in my opinion. Yeah, I think so. And, and, I mean, a lot of that's predicted off off past success. And this team is going to be very young. And I believe those projections that he had also still had Eves, Kessler, and Perry Oof. in the lineup. So <laughs> if I mean if they had that then maybe seventy points would be attainable. But at least you know the one thing I think we can bet on is it's going to be a little bit more fun to watch. I mean, even if they are losing, I don't think it's going to be anywhere close to how bad it was last year where they're just getting completely obliterated in the shot shot attempts department. And, you know, for the first half of the season, they were barely winning games. It was pretty much John Gibson who was winning them games in the beginning part of the se- uh, the season, even throughout most of the season as well. So it's going to be a lot more fun to watch. The problem is I, I don't know how much Dallas Aikens can do with this young team to really fix the, the scoring problem that the Ducks have. They just could, they can't score. They couldn't score last year. Then you take Corey Perry, who, yes, he hasn't been scoring, but he still puts up about 50 points a season. Obviously, injury uh, injury plagued last year, only played 31 games. Getting close to it contributes to the offense. I'm not, you know, we'll get into that later in the yeah, show. Yeah, yeah, because I know you're, I know you're a big Paris fan, a big Paris fan here, so. But they now, somebody <clears> has to come in and replace that production, whether, you know, maybe not in the goals department, but just putting up around 40 to 50 points, and, you know, maybe Sam Steele or Troy Terry or Max Jones can do that. They have the potential for sure to get that done. But I think 
there's a lot of ifs in this, you know, for this season coming up, if this guy can step up his game, if Raquel can have a bounce back season, if Jakob Silver can produce the way he did uh, last year, Dallas Aikens probably has the best shot to get those ifs and turn them into reality when you look at some of the younger players and the fact that he worked with them for most of last season. So I think in that sense, he's the right hire. Uh, it's it's just going to be tough though. It's going to be tough to turn this around. You know the Ducks are are going to go in shorthanded with a lot of these young players and bank on them and hope that they do well. Uh, and you know honestly, I do. I hope uh, Dallas Higgins can get the best out of them, but it's going to be tough. Yeah, but you can look at the bright side of it, right? When you have to go to work every day and you hate your boss, I mean, you still got to do your job, but maybe you don't do it, you know, with as much excitement or you don't do it, uh, you know, with as much effort as you would with somebody who actually cares about you and cares about you know, what kind of worker you are, how much you like to be there, but also was good at being a leader and, and teaching you things about the job, right? That's what you're getting with Dallas Eakins. You know, uh, it's stated in the article, he's got he's got the open-door policy. He actually cares about his players, cares about them as, as people, um, but is also a good leader and knows how to lead. And I got to tell you, man, and, and you know from working experience, if you go to your job every day, even if your company's not doing great, a.k.a. you're the Ducks, you're not winning a whole bunch, if you have a good environment and you're able to learn and, and you know you have a young team that's able to get better day by day, maybe they'll come out and you know they don't blow the doors off anybody in the first several months, but I expect them to get better, and I expect them to be a much better team than they played last year, played as last year. Um, we saw that with the players, just with the, you know, the team we had. I mean, how many times did we send guys up and down to San Diego last year? I mean, my God, the injuries in Anaheim. And then stealing all these guys from San Diego, which is what the farm team's for. They're there, you know. We're not like it's not like oh, boohoo, San Diego. I mean, these guys want to play in the NHL. So, but the fact that Dallas was able to keep that team together, make it competitive, go all the way to the conference final, um, and I think it, the fact that it, you talked about a scoring problem, I think with a, with a faster pace of play and with uh, with better players, I mean, they're just the guys that were listed on right wing are better than Corey Perry. Uh, name, name a better right wing that the Ducks have on their that, that are coming into this team that's, that's not better than Corey Perry. I'd be shocked. Uh, I don't think Perry's a 40, 50 point guy anymore at all. Um, <clears throat> I feel that uh, it's going to be, like you said, it's an unknown qu- uh, quantity, but I feel like the positive side of things uh, is, is going to be here for the season. I, I mean, and I'm not saying a Stanley Cup run, but I think it's going to be a much more exciting brand of hockey, and I think it's going to be successful. Yeah, I think they have the potential to be one of those teams. You know, you, you look at our uh, predictions we had for the NHL at the beginning of the season. I think we both, you know, two teams we looked at in Carolina and the Islanders. I think, you know, we either laughed at the, their chances of making the playoffs or gave them, you know, a dark horse type title. Like we did. I think you gave Carolina a dark horse title and said that they have a shot to make the playoffs. Most of us picked the Islanders to be bottom. But you look at the Islanders and they got good goaltending and they had a coach come in and the style worked and everything kind of clicked. I think the Ducks have the potential to possibly be that type of team. You know, you still have John Gibson back there. You've got the goaltending. You do have three defensemen who are pretty solid and Fowler, Manson, and Lindholm. It's not like, you know, uh, the Islanders' defense was great. And even Carolina, they do have some great depth on their blue line, but they didn't have a headliner guy. And then up front, it was just kind of depth and some young guys stepping up, especially for Carolina. And then you look at the Islanders, they just had you know guys all over the place that were doing well, whether it be Barzell or Everly or Anders Lee. The Ducks have the potential to do that. If Raquel can get back up to a 20 or 30 goal scorer this year and put up 50 to 60 points, that's going to be a huge step. Ryan Getzlaff gets around 60, 70, 80 points. That'll be huge. 
And then it all depends on what the rookies are going to do. So I think there's a lot of, yeah, like you look at the bright side, there's a potential for this team to surprise some people. I don't think, you know, they're not like the Ottawa Senators where like, yeah, they're going to be bottom or they're going to be close to bottom or some of these teams that have no chance. I still don't believe the Ducks are going to make the playoffs, but I can't sit here and say they might not be one of those teams who surprises some people because they have all those question marks. And if things work out perfectly for them, there's a chance that they could get close to making the playoffs or make the playoffs, right? They, you know, there's a chance they could be a good team if everything goes right. Yeah, we'll have to see what happens here. I mean, I wouldn't say they don't make the playoffs just right out the gate. We have to see how the rest of the summer shakes down, man. Don't, don't, uh, don't put your predictions out too early. You never know what could happen this summer. We still we got, could, yeah, we still got the draft. Could we see got uh, our Timmy uh, Panarin come to Anaheim, right? I mean, you could see things like that all of a sudden well, come to fruition. Know. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, we still got free agency. We're just going to change the team, whether the Ducks go out and get anybody or not. And then you've got the draft, too. And you never know. I mean, nowadays, with how, how much younger the NHL is getting, whoever we draft at nine, if he impresses in camp, there's a chance he gets a shot and makes the team. You never know. Let's get on to the big bomb that dropped this week. I mean, we all knew Dallas Eakins was going to be named head coach eventually. Uh, we, I would have been shocked had he not. Um, so Corey Perry's no longer an Anaheim Duck, Eddie. <laughs> that's just uh well, yes he is uh he's for now but his days are numbered he's he's i don't he's not gonna suit up he's gonna finish at 988 games 12 from missing a thousand from hitting a thousand which probably just crushes so many cory perry fans for sure uh he's gonna finish with the ducks most likely with 776 points 372 goals 404 assists and uh just highlight real uh plays after highlight real plays for him of either being a pest or scoring an overtime winner in the playoffs cory perry um, basically, like you said, days are numbered. Pierre LeBrun tweeted out earlier this week, and then uh, a bunch of articles came out with The Athletic about this from Stevens, basically saying that uh, they're looking to trade him, and if they can't find a trade partner, they're going to buy him out, which that part um, is the part that I'd been thinking about when I, when I tweeted out the other day, saying I've been thinking a lot about this. It's like, that's the big part of this. Trying to trade Corey, Corey Perry? Okay, makes sense. Everyone wants to get off from under a bad contract, but to say... That you're the Anaheim Ducks, that you're Henry and Susan Samueli, you hate buyouts. You're like, we're going to buy out one of the cornerstones of this franchise that's been here for like the last decade, over a decade. That's big news. That's big, big news in Anaheim. Yeah, and, and honestly, you know, the buyout mm-hmm. period just opened yesterday, and I think they're going to explore trade options in, in as probably as close as they get until that first window closes on June 30th. I, I think they're going to get a. I don't think they want to deal with this during free agency. I think it gets done before then. So if they don't have him traded by June 30th, I think he gets bought out, and, and that's it. We've already seen some buyouts. I think the Kings bought out Dion Phaneuf. Oh, of course. Uh, the Flyers, yeah, the Flyers <laughs> bought out Andrew McDonald. Uh, so there are teams exploring, and, and you know, I'm I'm honestly surprised the the Ducks are doing this. I think we talked about the you know validity of that situation is probably the best move for the Ducks, but we never thought they would do it. We no. never thought that they would actually go as far to do it. The fact that Corey Perry's been there so long, the fact that he's making so much and that they'd still have to pay him that money, it just didn't seem like a, a move the Ducks would make. It's a move they, they've been hesitant to make in the past. It's nice to see them doing it. As much as I love Corey Perry, I, I think this is the right move for the team. It all depends how things shake out, right? Like if they make a trade where they have to sweeten the pot a little bit to get rid of him, and it ends up hurting the Ducks in the long run, you don't want to do that. You know, Maybe you don't want to move that second first-round pick or you don't want to move a prospect or a pick later on to get rid of him when you can just buy him out. And it, you know, it probably hurts you a little bit less. I mean, what are you going to get in return for this guy? There's probably well, not I mean, a lot of guys. People, a lot of, there's probably not a lot of teams that are looking at him saying, well, let's go and trade something of value for him. 
when we can just wait till he gets bought out, he becomes a free agent, and we can just try and get him that way. Well, let's before we get there, let's talk about how we even got here because yeah, this is very interesting to me. Um, when a player gets a no move clause, it's not because the GM's like, oh, let me you know give you the opportunity to never go anywhere else again. It's more like, hey, we'll take less money. Um, if you guarantee that you're never going to trade me unless I say it's okay, right? Uh, it's, a, it's a negotiable piece uh, from the players, a no-movement clause is. Um, and the fact that he is waiving it, um, and the fact that the word buyout has come out like this, is honestly, man, pretty shocking. And I, I don't think it's just a production issue, and this is all speculation by me. Um, I'm not trying to start a conspiracy theory, thing like that, but it just feels like there's... Something deeply rooted that's going on with Corey Perry and the Ducks organization that just is not sitting well with management. And this is basically, they, they, we want you out. Like, you are no longer going to be part of this team. That's a big I, I, I deal to like, say to your leadership core. I think so, but it, from what we've read and what we've seen, it, it seems like it was almost a mutual decision. Almost like, you know, they are willing to let him go and he kind of wants to get out of there i'm sure in his heart he would like to stay in anaheim but he can see the direction that this team's going and i'm sure he wants to win another stanley cup before his career is over and i I think for him this is probably the right career move at this point to try and move somewhere else and be a you know have a, a different type of role you know right now because he's getting paid so much with this team and you look at the criticism towards him people still treat him like the guy who should score 40 or 50 goals when he's no longer that type of player he goes somewhere else, signs for a lot less money, doesn't have that much responsibility on him. He almost becomes you know, a redemption story And that if he has a good year, then it's great and it looks great on him. If he has a bad year, then it's like, oh, well, you know, this is what we kind of expected for a guy we didn't pay too much to sign and, you know, he's 35 now. So, you know, it's a win-win for him if he goes somewhere else. Of course, it sucks. We wanted to see him get to 1,000 games. I would have loved to see him retire in a Ducks uniform, but I think it makes sense for both the player and the team. And I, I feel I feel it's more of a mutual. I like how you stop my conspiracy theory right away. Like, no, 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 it's nothing crazy deeply rooted in the organization with Corey Perry. <laughs> I just I, feel I like what Bobby said when, when Bobby said there was he wants the uh, you know he had a problem with some of the older players in the team at Bob's breakfast, right? He just was like, hey, some of his leadership core doesn't like these younger guys coming in. Now, my opinion, you look at that right wing is just log jammed with players who are better than Corey Perry. And maybe Perry's, you know, making us think about having to play on the third, third and fourth line, right? Maybe he's, you know, I'm sure he is. He's a proud guy. He's a guy at one point won a Hart Trophy, and you've got Troy Terry, Andre Kasha, Daniel Sprong at times all starting over you on that right side. Even Jakob Silverberg. I'm sure he still thinks he's a better player than all of them. You know, he wouldn't be where he is if he didn't. He's a Team Canada guy. He's, you know, he's a champion. Is... I'm sure it hurts him a bit. I'm sure it hurt him a bit uh, that he was bumped down the depth chart. Uh, but I, I think deep down he understands why. I'm sure he, you know, he can realize that his production wasn't up to par. And of course, you know, a lot of that may be due to to his knee injury that he had surgery for uh, during the season. But you know, I, I think I think it's more of a mutual thing. I'm sure he was hurt a little bit by it. I, you know, I, I don't think uh, you know maybe he he blames management a little bit. But I, I think it's more of a mutual thing where he thinks. He can kind of move on and maybe get a fresh start later on in his career, and the Ducks are more than happy to, to get uh, some of that contract off the books. How does it How does it feel for you? He's he's your favorite Ducks player, right? Yeah, it, it's tough. You know, like I said, I I, I would have. Uh, I think me, you know, I think people are split. I think there's people who are who are happy to see him go because the production isn't there, uh, and there's people who are really fans of Corey Perry. 
and it, you know, I like me, I realized that this is the best move for the franchise, but it's tough to see this guy go. I would have loved to see him continue to score 20 or 30 goals until he retired uh, and then get his uh, number raised to the rafters, which he probably still will. But he still will, for sure. Finish, finish his career uh, as an Anaheim Duck. You know, I think we all wanted to see Getzlaff and Perry win another one with the Ducks. Uh, it's unfortunate, uh, at least for Perry, that that won't happen again. And for Getzlaff, he's kind of running out of time. So, you know, it's it's definitely tough. I, I think, um, you know, nobody would have thought it would have got this bad for Corey Perry. I think when we when he had that first down season, we are like, oh, he's going to come back. He had back-to-back 30-goal seasons. It's just a down year. He still put up 53 points, whatever. Another season, scores below 20 goals. Now we're starting to worry a bit. And then obviously this last season, and, and it's starting to look bad for him. It seems like he's really starting to go downhill. So it's tough to see a guy who has meant so much to this franchise uh, go downhill like that. Yeah, I mean, and it's uh, it's basically been, you know, the twins, Perry and Getzloff, right? Every time you talk about the Ducks, it's it's that's that's those are the star players in this team. Those are the guys that have led the way. Um, but as Getzloff said, I mean, all you know, all good things come to an end, right? Essentially. Uh, it's his comments were interesting too. He wrote it's a really tough day for all of us. He said in a text message, I love that guy and I've been through everything with him in one way or another. Um, and then later on in the, in the, in the Stevens Cooper article, uh, he came out and said, I guess we all know there's an end, uh, that there is an end one day, but until it happens, um, it's pretty much a, a foregone conclusion as well, though, that, uh, with everything that's come out, you don't leak this as an organization if you plan on keeping a guy, right? It, there's no way he suits up come September. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it would have come out. Yeah. If, if he if, if he was going to stay, or if there was any hint of him staying, this wouldn't have come out. Especially with the Ducks, you mentioned earlier in the show, they're pretty tight-lipped about most things, and, and unless something leaks, it's usually going to happen. Especially when it comes to a player of Corey Perry's caliber and him leaving, you know the fact that this is out there and the way it leaked, and you know the fact that they reached out and said this, you know it's happening. You know it's happening. He's not going to suit up for the Ducks next year. Unless somehow they work something out where they, they both of them want to, you know, the team and, and the player want to stay, but I just can't see it happening. So, what is a Corey Perry worth? Um, NHL Scout says uh, he believes Perry is worth for sure in the trade market or free agency. Uh, he would enter if he if a buyout occurs. Um, he said that uh, basically he would keep him or try to move him. The scout said not to buy him out, and then NHL executive said that he would probably get two years around four mil per season if he gets bought out. So a bought out Corey Perry would be a very wealthy Corey Perry. But uh, how do you feel about those two statements, really? Yeah, I'm going to talk about the contract first because I thought if he got bought out, that's what teams would be looking for in him at about $4 million because the production isn't really there, but you have that potential that maybe he bounces back. You never know. I mean, you know, teams will look at that knee surgery two different ways and whether it's really the end of his career or maybe he'll come back and be a completely different player. You know, it all depends on, and I think the teams that will go hard after him will think that he could come back and be the player, or somewhat close to the player he used to be. And $4 million for two years is a worthy gamble on that for a guy who could slide into your top six, play in the power play, and be a really valuable asset for you. He does uh, have name player. recognition too, right? I mean, exactly. he does. Hard trophy on, on his resume, uh, Maurice Richard winner. So he, he will... In free agency, he'll he'll garner, I think, more interest than a lot of people think he will. I think there'll be you know at least five to ten teams that'll be interested in him, and if not more, uh, a lot of contenders that have the cap space to work that out for four million dollars will definitely be in on that. 
And, and honestly, that's why I, I can't see too many teams coming in for a trade. Like, what's the point? If you know he's going to hit free agency, you don't have to give up any assets if the Ducks are going to buy him out. You know, what's Unless it's a team who's looking to send a bad contract the other way yep. and maybe get uh, Corey Perry retained at $4 million and hope that he can help your team and get rid of a player who you know isn't going to help your team, that's the only way I see him getting done. If you're the Ducks, though, and you have to sweeten the pot, there's no point. There's no point in making that trade or bringing on another bad contract when you can just buy him out. You know, it would have to make sense for the Ducks. Uh, there's some players we'll mention later on. I think Nikita Zaitsev is one of them that maybe if you think he's a valuable player for your team, you could send Corey Perry to the Leafs, retain some salary, get Nikita Zaitsev back. But even that doesn't seem as enticing. You might as well just buy him out. Yeah, I mean, but the buyout does some weird things for the cap hit. It, it puts you at 2.6, 6.6, 2 million and 2 million for what they would owe of uh, 13.25 million, uh, basically cap hit um, is what that's showing there. Buyout cost, 8 million bucks. But um, just very interesting how the cap hit affects the team that way. But I think if you're going to trade for Corey Perry, there would definitely be salary retention. There's no way the Ducks are going to convince somebody uh, to take on that full cap hit, full cost. There's just no way, uh, unless they throw in some ridiculous, you know, they throw in their ninth overall pick, which would be a dumb move to do, right? So that's not happening. They're most likely going to cut his salary in half. And then, in my opinion, I mean, if the deal makes sense, I mean, I really could see them using that second first-round pick to do so, to get rid of Corey Perry at, you know, at uh, half the cost. Yeah, I can see it, and and I think that would come down to the fact that maybe they would rather give him what four million, you know, four point two million or whatever half his his contract is four point two, four point three million over two years, rather than have his cap hit affect you for four years. And you know, yes, for three years it's uh, it's going to be around two million. The first year is two point six. The last two are both just two million, and it's really twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one that season that where the cap rate hurts you because you'll be paying out six point six two five million dollars. But even for that season, it's not like the Ducks are really going to be hurt by that. They don't have anybody big that they have to sign at the end of that season. They, you know, I think it's Brendan Gooley is one of them, Troy Terry, Daniel Sprong, but you're not going to be shouting out big contracts to the to those guys. Patrick Eve's money comes off the books at that point. Kessler, we would assume, would still be on the LTIR at that point as well. It's not like that buyout cost in that second year where it's so much higher than the other years is going to come back to hurt you. So it all depends on what you want to do if you're the Ducks, right? Do you want to have to pay a guy who's not playing for your team, or do you want to just retain salary in, in – cut it down to two years instead of four years so do you think they go you think you think a buyout's happening then the kind of what you already said right if why why trade for a guy you know is going to be bought out it's in the media he's going to get bought out yeah i, I just can't see a team unless like i said they're they're, they're going to move a bad contract back and that the ducks think they can get value out of the player they're bringing in you see those trades sometimes as well where two teams will trade troubling players sometimes it's younger players i think it, it it's mostly younger players who just haven't worked out in that franchise and you usually see a swap of those two guys rarely do you see guys at this stage of their career that are struggling with teams that are swapped but that's the only trade i could see Corey perry getting traded in like i mentioned nikita zaitsev or, or players of that kind of caliber where that team is actively shopping them and trying to get that contract off the books and if they think Corey perry could come in and add value to their team and if the Ducks think a player like Nikita Zaitsev or whoever else they bring in could bring value to their team, then that's a hockey trade that makes sense. So 
basically what I'm going to ask you next is what about um, which team actually would you think would take a risk on Corey Perry? Like what, who do you think is really going to want a guy uh, that's coming off? He's 34 years old, coming off major knee surgery off rehab, only played a handful of games towards the end of, end of last season. Um, didn't put up anything spectacular, but um, he could show signs that he could still play. Maybe at the, obviously at the same pace, but he would definitely be relegated, like you said, to a power play third line minute role. Who would take him? Are we talking yeah, free agency or trade? Let's go. Let's let's go buyout scenario. He gets bought out. Who's going to take a risk at Corey Perry? I think there's a lot of teams, and I think that wouldn't unfold. That he wouldn't be a guy. I don't think would go right away. I think he's one of those guys that goes after somebody like Artemi Panarin goes or somebody, you know, some of the more higher profile names. I think Matt Zuccarello is still an unrestricted free agent. I know Dallas is working on a contract for him. But once those guys go, the younger guys who have a little bit more consistency in them at, the, at that point in their career, once they're off the table, I think the interest in Corey Perry starts to pick up. And I think I think there'd be a lot of teams interested in him. I think Pittsburgh could be a team that's interested. I know they're looking at, apparently at defensemen uh, like Jacob Truba and others. But uh, I think he could be a good fit there if they're looking for some offense. They seem to take a chance on older guys and trying to uh, revitalize some of their career and uh, go for another Stanley Cup. So he could work there. Uh, Arizona, their offense struggled heavily last year. And if they think bringing in Corey Perry uh, at a much lower salary than he's making now, they would definitely. he would definitely at that point, I think he'd probably come in as one of their better right wings, right? Like Clayton Keller's a left wing in the center. They've got Alex Gotenek and, and Stepan in the middle. The right side is where they're a little bit vulnerable and they're, and they're a little bit weak, so he could come in there uh, and, and really you know, give something to their offense, so that's a chance uh, for them there. And then Edmonton was a team that uh, was linked to him. I think Darren Drager um on tsn i think took the words out of my mouth i was gonna bring that up i had no idea that Dreger even said that i was gonna say the ducks were gonna take uh, milan lucic in a trade for Corey perry i i hope that's <laughs> not yeah i i don't think I, god forbid that happens but i would uh, have to, i would have to quit watching games for a little bit i would be very upset about that <laughs> yeah i mean it, on, he would work in edmonton in in the sense that you know they've been looking for uh depth on the wings and if they think they could get something out of him and whether they want to play him with uh i mean imagine him playing with dry settle and, and mcdavid that's a you know giving him the best opportunity he could probably get in the league to he's get got anywhere definitely close. he's definitely got better hands than milan lucic for sure. Yeah. He's got better hands than anybody that's played with Connor McDavid in the last three years, likely <laughs> other than <laughs> other than Leon Dreisaitl. So, you know, I could say Pittsburgh, I could see Arizona, I, I could see Edmonton as some teams I'd be looking to go after him. Uh, once you get farther down, I think it'd be any team really who missed out um, on Artemi Panarin or on Matt Zuccarello or whoever else is available and thinks they still have a shot and they need a player like Corey Perry and just hope that he can get 20 goals. I think if any team can pay him $4 million and he gets 20 goals, 50 points, it's a pretty good season. I think if, you know, if the Ducks went out and signed a guy at two years for $4 million and he put up back-to-back 50, 50 point seasons, uh, 20 win. goals, that's a, that's a win. win. And I think Corey Perry still potentially has it in him. Now, we haven't seen a full season from Corey Perry since having the knee surgery, so that's where I think a lot of teams might uh, pull away from that. But there, there's definitely going to be interest in him still. I was, yeah, I mean, maybe he can play more of that rough-and-tumble style, right? And he's going to go to a team that's going to want him to be nasty. Edmonton definitely likes that, and that was part of the reason why I was thinking that too. Um, but I, I would probably think if you're Edmonton, you want to go youth. 
you want to get the bad contracts off the books. Um, taking a, a run at a guy who's 34 recovering from major knee surgery is probably not the best idea, but it's very old school hockey guy. Um, that's still going around in the league to, uh, to have that report come out of Canada. Uh, well, I mean, <laughs> look, look who's in charge of the Oilers guy. now, right? Look who's in charge. you got Ken Holland, who's an old-school hockey guy, and you've got Dave Tippett, who's arguably yeah, an old-school hockey that's guy. that's just the way it goes. Honestly, like, you look at the two guys now in charge of the Oilers, and, and Corey Perry starts to make a little bit more sense to put – and then you look at the depth there, and the fact that Pooley-Arvey apparently wants out and, and wants a fresh start, and he's a right wing for them, and then their depth on right wing after that, uh, there's there's almost nothing there. Starts to make a little bit more sense, especially if they can move Milan Lucic off the books, buy him out, whatever, get rid of him. Then uh, Corey Perry starts to make a little bit more sense in Edmonton. Would you see any hope? And I know that we've talked about this prior. I was really big earlier in the season on Nikolai Ehlers. I still am. Um, any any hope that there's some sort of way he comes to Anaheim? I know we're hopping off back and forth between these guys, uh, but uh, I really like the idea of Nick Ehlers coming in and and. Uh, you know, playing wing at 22 years old for the Ducks. Yeah, we meant. I think we mentioned this on our last show, right? Uh, briefly, but uh, man, he's only 23, and, and a guy who before last year had back-to-back 60-point seasons. Uh, a guy who's going to likely consistently consistently score 20 for the rest of his career, and, and get probably touch 30 a couple times. Uh, uh, he would be a perfect fit for the Ducks at this point. I mean, imagine him playing with uh, Ryan Getzlaff. And Ricard Raquel, you know, for, for just next season and beyond, uh, and it's a move I think I could see it happen. Not maybe the Ducks, but I could see the uh, the Jets possibly trying to move on from Nick Ehlers. Not because of what he did. I don't think he's really done anything wrong. Yeah, he struggled last year, but the fact that they have to re-sign Patrick Laine, they still have to deal with Jacob I Truba, mean, or get rid of him, depending on the report you read. <laughs> nah, there's no way. There's no way. But uh, I, yeah, I can't believe people are thinking that they'll get rid of Patrick Laine at this point in his career. But you know, they they have to deal with that. They've got to deal with Cal Connor, who scored I think back to back thirty goal seasons, and he's arguably more valuable than uh, Nick Ehlers at this point. And uh, then you've got to deal with Jacob Jacob Truba and uh, Tyler Myers as well. So there's a lot of moving parts there. Nick Ehlers could be the odd man out. He's making $6 million, I think, for the next five or six years. So he's locked into a pretty decent contract for a guy who could score 60 or 70 points for your team, depending on how you utilize him. Well, I would love him in Anaheim, but I just I don't, I don't know coming. what the Ducks have. He's not I mean, you know, no. you could maybe see a move that is Fowler maybe plus, or if you want to do a hockey deal, Fowler for Ehlers. I think the Ducks definitely win that. But you look There's, at the they're not doing that. that. There's no way they're doing that. Well, teams that are going to go after Nick Ehlers because they want to obviously get a better deal are going to look at the season he just had, and they're going to use that to try and lower his value. You know, obviously the Jets are going to then go and, and look at the last few seasons, but you know, two seasons ago, 25 goals, 64 points, played an entire 82 game season. The season after that, 60 points, 29 goals, again played an entire 82-game season. Last year, dealt with a little bit of injury problems, still got 21 goals, but only had 37 points. They'll look at that, and they'll use that as an example on maybe trying to get a lower price on him. But uh, he's still going to command a lot. And I, you know, if, if for the Ducks, if it's a defenseman, somebody uh, came to me with a, a possible option of Richie, uh, Richie Mahura and I think a second-round pick, or even Richie Mahura and the 29th pick in this year's draft. I could see it, but only if the Jets were in a position they had to trade him. They're not getting rid of him unless they have no other option but to get rid of him. Yeah, and the interesting thing about the Ducks, though, if they want to go out and get a guy and take on cap, I mean, 
cap friendly showing the Ducks have over $9 million projected cap space, and that's with Corey Perry on the books. Right? Yeah. That's still with him on the books. That's still with Kessler on the books. Um, let me see if Ease is on there. That's still with you Ease buy him on out. the books. Yeah. If you buy him out, you get six extra million, I think, for this season because he'll only have two million for this upcoming season. If you retain fifty percent of his salary, which is the max you can retain in a trade, you'll you'll open up a, a little bit over four million. So then you'll have around thirteen million dollars in cap space. So they they have room to work with. Whether it's making a deal to bring in a player like Nick Ehlers and not and even if you don't have to send salary out or bringing in maybe a bad contract to make that uh, less of a return that you're sending out. So if Nick Ehlers and if, if Winnipeg wants to get rid of another bad contract to make more room for Patrick Laine or, or maybe to keep Tyler Myers and Jacob Trouba and to sign Kyle Connor, you can now present that option to them because you have that extra cap space. None of that I don't think gets done until Corey Perry is either traded or bought out. But the Ducks are definitely in a position to maybe go and make that move than they were, say, at the, at the beginning of last year. Let's let's move on here for a sec um, about another candidate. We got to talk about Nikita Zaitsev. Why do you think that he would be a fit in Anaheim? Or do you? I know that there's been talk about him. You know, the Ducks being the leading guys. Uh, you know, to want to get him. I find that very strange, honestly. Yeah, you know, I, I find it strange uh, that if the Ducks were interested in him, I don't think he's a player that Bob Murray's would would normally look at. We know his track history with Russians and. You know that's almost become a joke uh, about him, but he doesn't seem like the player that Bob Murray would go after. But when we were talking about uh, right-handed defensemen and looking at free agency and guys like uh, Tyler Myers and and uh, Anton Strawman and who the Ducks could bring in as a right-shot defenseman, you know, I had said that the Nikita Zaitsev would probably be the most likely option that they would go for and go in to get him in a trade because Anton Strahlman's a little bit old for what they're looking for and you're going to overpay for him in free agency and you're definitely going to overpay for Tyler Myers and whatever deal you would have to make for Jacob Truba and then also re-signing him probably wouldn't be worth it for where the Ducks are at this point. So then you look at who's the next best guy there, it's probably Nikita Zaitsev. And if the Ducks really want to shore up that right side, He's not the worst option. Had a great first season with the Leafs. Has struggled since, but his usage, he's been put in a different position off that first season because the uh, because the Leafs have brought in different defensemen and and guys like Morgan Riley have moved up in the depth chart. Same with Jake Gardner, where Zaitsev has kind of kind of been putting in a, a difficult position. So he's a good bounce back candidate. He's only twenty seven, but it's you know it, it's tough to see them going to make that move. But James Myrtle just wrote an article where he had. I was just going to say that. Yeah. Yeah, he had the Ducks as a leading candidate, and you know one of the three, because, right? There were three on his list. Yeah, whether that's because he thinks the Ducks are interested, I think he he more so put them there because they clearly need help on right D. It's it's really just Josh Manson at this point, and that's it. That's why I think the move would make sense because I can't see them going after Strawman, Myers, or Truba. But uh, please, I, no, I just don't, I just don't know what the Myers. return is. Like, please, like, what, no. what is the what is the return? Or what do you have to give up for Zaitsev? Because he's asked for a trade, and the Leafs are willing to get rid of him. So you could probably get him for less, but it all depends on what you're going to have to give out. You know, if you're trading a prospect, that probably wouldn't do it. Uh, if you're if you're just going to give up a, a pick or something just to take on the salary, because the Leafs want to get rid of him. If it's a low pick or whatever, or, or it's something else, or it's Patrick Eve's contract, so the Leafs can bury it on the LTIR, then take that trade because Nikita Zaitsev, I think, still has the potential for a bounce back. 
and he's better than what you have right now. And you, if, if it doesn't work out, I think you're paying it for two more seasons at $4 million and that's it. So mm-hmm. it, it's a low-risk type move, which is something we see Bob Murray make. You know, he doesn't – he's got him for two years. It's not just a rental. You didn't give up it for nothing. He has the option where he's got this year and next year to kind of figure it out. And it's not a high cap hit that it's going to hurt them, especially with the cap space they have. So it's a move that I could see them making only if – they can get a good deal for it. Well, they definitely need defensemen, that's for sure. So, I mean, just looking at the roster on Cap Friendly, they just uh, they got Josh Manson, Lindholm, and Fowler. That's it. And Gooley, right, that are signed. Yeah. I that's mean, it. listen, I, we got some people in the chat saying, no, 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 it's Zaitsev. I, I agree with that. I don't think Zaitsev is – he's not a great player. You know, you look at his puck possession in the last two years, it's not great. I think it's about 46% the last two seasons playing in a Leaf system that uh, has been kind of porous the last few years, and whether that's coaching or just the defensive system, that remains to be kind of determined still. But I still look back at that first season, and you see a little bit of potential there. He was above 50% in shot attempts, and he had, I think, 32 assists and 36 points that year. There is potential for him to be a decent player if he's utilized correctly. Whether Dallas Eakins can do that or not, I don't know. Whether sites have just kind of fizzled out after one good season who knows but i think you could take a shot at it because normally i would say no but when you look at who's the option right there and especially if you want the ducks to be competitive or you think they have a shot to be good next year he's better than what you're going to bring in he's an nhl defenseman i think he's a four or five on most teams maybe a six depending on what team he goes to so you but play lindy and vance right together now. fowler and Gooley. And then, then Zaitsev and, and someone else. Larson or whoever. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, up. he's better He's better than, than who you would bring up other than. I mean, they signed that guy out of Finland. I think it was Yanni Hakapanga. I, I, I just butchered his name, but they signed him. But he's more of a six or a seven, right? Depending on, you know, depending on how he adjusts to the game and how well he comes over, they really don't know. It's not the worst option in the world to bring in Zaitsev for two years at $4 billion. That's all I'm saying. It, there's worst deals you could make like signing Anton Strawman or giving up too much for Jacob Truba or going out and signing Tyler Myers for a ridiculous no, amount of money. Please not him. You might as no. well you might as well like Zaitsev out of all of those options is the low risk, high reward option. If it doesn't work out, you give up almost nothing probably to get him because the Leafs are looking to get rid of him. If it works out, great. And you know, you're you're paying him to be a four or five or you're only paying him four million dollars for two years. And then you have the option to either t- you know, keep him on if he did well or just move on altogether after the, the two years are up. All right, so where do you want to go next? Do you have anybody with any questions or do you have something else you want to touch on here before we wrap? Uh, DB Lowry in our chats, uh, when we were talking about Perry going to the Oilers, he said, Perry for Lucic and pull you RV. Would you, would you do that? Because that's interesting. Because oh, How many years does Lucic have left? That's, I'm checking that's, right now. Uh, dude, I just If don't. he's got... Yeah, I, I don't want Lucic, but you know, that's the question. We know we don't want Lucic, but pull you Ivy. Like he, so you if he would gets be a fresh if start, Perry doesn't up. play next season, right? Which we all know he's not going to. Milan Lucic, by the way, would have to waive his no move, um, and he's got four years left at six. So that's a lot of scratch for a guy who's basically not scoring anymore. You you would think you know if the Ducks are retaining on that, I would assume. The Oilers would have to retain some of it, right? Like, there's no way the Ducks are taking all six of that on uh, for four would years. Would you even I, take I, Lucic at, at three million? Like, I don't know, man. That's a lot of cash for if a guy I could get that puts Pugliarvi, up twenty points. Maybe if you get Pugliarvi, maybe right. 
But I can't see a deal where the Ducks are retaining salary on Perry and the the uh, Oilers are retaining salary on Lucic. It, it's a it's a wash there. Then there'd be almost no point in retaining the salary. You might as well just trade the guys straight up and then have a sweetener in there because Perry's better than Lucic. Is Perry that much better than Milan Lucic that the Oilers have to throw in Jesse Pugliarvi? That's a big know. big cost. That's a big cost for the Oilers. Really getting rid I don't of think Jesse Pugliarvi. Yeah, I don't think we're debating if this trade would ever happen because I don't think it would. I don't think Bob Murray would bring in Milan Lucic at six million for the next four years. Um, I just think we're we're debating if if it, it's even plausible or if the value is is even there. You know, Puliyarvi apparently wants out, wants a fresh start. I know the Oilers would want to keep a player like that around because I don't think they want to give up on him yet, even though they're not giving that guy enough opportunities. I, I'm surprised no, I mean, they nine points in 46 games last year doesn't really say like they're giving him a lot of opportunity for sure. No, and I think he was playing like 10, 11 minutes a night. This is a guy who should probably be playing up there with Connor McDavid and Leanne Dreisaitl if you want to give him a chance to succeed. Uh, I don't know if they would do it. I, I would probably, you know, if, if we know, we know Perry's not going to be there. If we're in this situation right now where it's trade him or buy him out and you have to bring on Milan Lucic to get Pugliarvi, I would take that risk in the sense if Puglia Arvey pans out, that accelerates your rebuild a lot, especially if he turns out to be the player you thought he could be, which is the player who could put up maybe 30 goals in a season. He scores 60 to 70 points when you look at when he was drafted. A guy that people thought could threaten for the uh, the second or first spot. You know, I think it was – I know this happens every year, but in his draft year, there was rumblings couple days before the draft, the teams were considering taking him over Austin Matthews or Patrick Laine, whether oh, those were truthful or not, because that happens all the time. Did those he come was out still of Canada? doing stuff. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> he, he was still you know, making a case that he was just as good as those two players. And I don't think he's been given the opportunity to succeed, so I think you know, a fresh start for him could be a big thing. Uh, I would do it. Uh, I just don't think it happens. No, it's not going to happen. As much as Jesse or Jesse Pulley would be great in Anaheim, I don't want Milan Lucic. I don't think the Ducks want Milan Lucic either. So, yeah, I I I, I can't see it. Uh, and then he also said the Ducks would be better off grabbing Jake Gardner instead. Who I believe, I believe Jake Gardner is a UFA um, right now. So I think he, there's a chance he could go to any team. Uh, Ducks got rid of him once. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if uh, I don't know if they come back, and especially I don't think he it would be an option they would go for. And honestly, I think they would go for Zaitsev over Gardner at this point, because Gardner is going to play on the left side. And when you look at the fact that this Fowler, Lindholm, Larson, Mahura, and now you add Gardner into that mix and Brendan Gooley, I just I can't see it. it it's, Gardner is the same with any left shot defense. When you look at Ole Matta going to Chicago. I'm sure the Ducks weren't even close to touching that as well. It wasn't a high price to go get him, but it's hard to convert guys over from the left to the right. I know Gardner's done it occasionally, but the Ducks don't want to be playing five or six left-handed guys in the lineup. For for how many years did we see them most of the time having three lefties and three righties? I think mm-hmm. most coaches and especially most general managers would like to go that way. So I, I just can't see it. I think Zaitsev would be a guy they'd be going for at that point. And even uh, you, you've mentioned on a couple podcasts that Bobby said at his breakfast that he's looking for a big right-handed defenseman who can shoot the puck. I'm not eight saying eight that, minutes. Big minute eater. Eight, yep. I'm not saying Nikita Zaitsev fits that mold perfectly, uh, but he is a big right-shot defenseman who can put up points and has in the past. Uh, and he, at one point, I think in his first season, was playing 22 minutes a night. So... He fits out a little bit more than what you're going to get from Jake Gardner. And I don't think the Ducks need a Jake Gardner 
when they've kind of got that in Cam Fowler already, maybe they have that in Josh Mahura. They don't need that. They they more so need a guy like Nikita Zaitsev, as polarizing as he is, than they do a guy like Jake Gardner. Yeah, and, and plus I think Jake Gardner's going to come with a higher price tag at this point. Yeah, no, for sure. He's in free agency. You know it's going to be silly season uh, July 1st where guys are going to get more money than they're worth. So I just uh, – I can't see. It's going to be interesting, honestly. Free agency is going to be interesting this year because it all depends on where the Ducks think they're going to go. I think buying out Corey Perry maybe signals that they're going in a different direction, going to try and be younger and that they're going to kind of embrace the rebuild. But it also opens up a lot of cap space. So if they think they want to be competitive, they have a lot of options to go out and either make a trade or sign somebody that we don't expect. So I think for agency, we're going to really start to see what the plan is for Dallas Higgins and Bob Murray's team next year. Yeah, they might just also want to buy him out to save some money for the Sam Williams, who just spent like $110 million at their Great Park ice complex, which they're holding the press conference for Dallas. Yeah, I was going to say, they're they're using it to announce the press conference, so they're getting some use out of it. Yeah, they spend a lot of money here in Anaheim. They do a lot of charitable things. Um, They have a, a, they're basically a heavy hitter here uh, with youth hockey. They, you know, they do a lot. So, and they spend a lot of money, and they've let Bob run this team nearly to the cap the past couple of seasons. Maybe they just want to be like, okay, let's just go have a youth movement, recoup some cash, uh, maybe not be a cap team. Who knows? We'll, like you said, that we'll find out more once the season gets under the underway here in July. Oh, the silly season, as you put it. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Last thing I want to touch on because I thought this was pretty interesting. We, I think we, I briefly mentioned it during the show as the the Vegas odds uh, for the Ducks. They came out for every team <laughs> that came out, uh, but the Ducks are sixty six to one to win the cup. That's tied for the second worst with the Red Wings, the Kings, the Devils, and the Rangers. Keep in mind the the Devils they ended up, they had the first overall pick this year the Rangers had the second overall pick L A has the fourth overall pick and Detroit's up in that mix too these are some of the worst teams in the league this year yes the Ducks were in that mix but do you see them being that bad like do you, do you should I should we go oh, out and make a hundred dollar bet on this right now because you know if they win the cup and you put a hundred bucks a hundred bucks down at sixty six to one that's, you know you win uh, sixty six hundred bucks right there <laughs> yeah but they're not winning a cup come on now. They're not doing it. I mean, you saw that guy, uh, Blues fan, who bet four hundred bucks, I think, on uh, on the Blues to win the cup in like January when they're they're cashed dead last out hundred grand, league. didn't he? Yeah, he won a hundred grand. So, and people kept trying to buy his ticket too. They kept trying to buy his ticket that he used like for eighty grand, and then like thirty grand. I heard it on uh, on Spit and Chickles. They were talking about that. Yeah, and he held on to it and won a hundred grand. I just I can't do it, man. They're not going to win a cup. It would well, it'd be amazing if they did. Before I give the answer, I want your answer on if you think they are that much of a long shot to win the Cup. I'm going to give you some of the teams who have better odds than them to win the Cup next year. Uh, the Oilers are 40-1. to 1. Vancouver is 40-1. to 1. Buffalo No, is they're not that bad. One. They're not that bad. And no. uh, who else is there? Columbus is 28-1. to 1. I think that's uh, right now that's going to go all down if they lose Duchesne, Panarin, and Bobrowski, but they're 28-1 to 1 right now. Uh, and the Philadelphia Flyers are 25-1. to 1. Philly's got a, young, got a good young group. They do. Philly, I think Philly's got a good young group. I don't think they deserve to be that low. I don't think so either. I don't think the Ducks deserve to be that low purely because John Gibson. I mean, all the teams you just named don't have that goalie. Ryan Getzlaff and and Ricard Raquel and a lot of the younger players. Like, I don't think they're they're, uh, worse than Buffalo. It's the unknown quantities, right? It's the unknown that's going to affect whatever betting odds are going to come out. And it's certainly going to change, I would feel like, right? I mean, they're going to realize that this team, it's going to fluctuate as we go. But right, the yeah, initial, initial betting odds, it's going to look a lot different. Yeah, it's going like, to look different. 
once the Blue Jackets likely lose uh, Bobrovsky and Panarin, they're they're going to go way down, and teams are going to move all over the place. Yeah, let's revisit uh, right this now. comes uh, Thanksgiving. That's a good time to come back and, and revisit the odds because that's when we'll kind of know where the team's at. Well, if you, basically, if you want to make a bet right now and you want to bet on the Ducks winning the Cup, probably now is the best time to do it because these are probably the worst odds that they're going to have all season because I don't oh, see them being – Don't burn 100 bucks. They're not winning a Cup, man. <laughs> I mean, hey, if you if you lose, it's a hundred bucks, and uh, you bet it back in uh, in June, and uh, come April next year, you won't even remember it. So, but if you win sixty six hundred bucks, you'll remember me telling you to bet a hundred bucks. Very true. So everyone, take Eddie's advice and go put a hundred dollars down on the Ducks for sure. We got anything else? Anything in chat? Or uh, are we all in the clear, my friend? Uh, well, yeah. Hopefully tomorrow we don't get. Uh, I mean, I, I, apparently Dallas Eakins uh, is going to get announced as as head coach tomorrow, right at Great Park. So we've covered that now, but hopefully we don't get uh, some kind of Corey Perry Corey Perry tomorrow. buyout news tomorrow. We'll be back on, and then uh, <laughs> then we'll be back on in a couple of days. If not, then uh, you'll you'll see us after the draft. Uh, we we were considering doing a live show during the draft, but. Uh, scheduling is going to be kind of difficult to do to make that work at 8 p.m my time 5 p.m your guys time on, yeah, on uh, what, friday i think it's on friday yeah on the 20th so uh we'll be doing a show probably either the day after the second day so the 22nd 23rd 24th sometime in between then we'll be doing a, a recap show and looking at who the uh the ducks drafted but yeah yeah i know i know everybody in the chat's like no live show but uh it's tough you know, we'll, we might have live reaction, um, like a li- quick live reaction video on Instagram or, or Twitter and something after they, you know, depending on who they pick first, just to give you guys a kind of a, a taste or whatever of how we feel about that pick. But then we'll we'll get really in depth on it on our, our recap show uh, a couple days after the draft. Yeah, let's shoot for Sunday, uh, June twenty third. Let's shoot for that one. We'll shoot for that. We'll confirm it this week as like setting in stone of time and all that. But let's. We'll keep it on the same draft weekend. We I don't want it to go too far after. We got we got to shoot that weekend. Yeah, and uh, hopefully, I mean, you know, last year we got really lucky that uh, we were able to get so much of the prospects on. We got Isaac Lindstrom, uh, Jack Purbix, Blake McLaughlin last year. Uh, Benoit Olivier grew. We'll we'll try. We'll depending on who they draft this year, we'll try and get some. Hopefully, we get as lucky as we did last year, and, and it can get you some of those interviews throughout the summer too. Yep. So stay tuned with us. We'll have plenty more for you guys. Lots more content to come this summer. Uh, Thank you guys, as always, for tuning in, and we'll talk to you guys soon.